Welcome to the Faith and Money podcast, where we discuss biblical principles on the Bible's teaching concerning money, wealth, and generosity. Here at the Faith and Money podcast, we are passionate about helping our listeners to better love God and their neighbor with their money. As always, your hosts are Keith Conley and Crystal Wampler. Keith is the president and CEO of True Legacy Financial Planning, a financial advisory firm that serves clients who desire to receive biblical wisdom with their financial advice. Keith specializes in working with faith-based business owners, churches, and other nonprofits, ministers, and high net worth families of faith. Crystal is the CEO and founder of Kinethics, a cannabis financial advisory solutions group based in Orange County, California. Crystal is the co-founder and co-host of the Crypto Cannabis Show, an international faith-based show that educates, grows, and inspires business owners within the five C's, Christ, Cannabis, Cryptocurrency, Cybersecurity, and CPAs. Crystal also serves on the board of directors for the International Cannabis Business Women's Association, an association focused on helping women launch into the cannabis industry. Next week on March 27th, April and April 2nd, Keith will be a featured speaker with the Quakerdale Foundation. All of our subscribers should have received an email last week with a link for you to register to hear Keith's discussion on biblical generosity. We do hope that you register and hear Keith and the other featured speakers' presentations. Yeah, thank you, Crystal. Registration for this event is free. The title of the speaking summit is Created for Generosity. There are 12 sessions, and registration is free. And as long as you register, you'll receive a link to each of the 12 sessions, and you can listen to them at at your own leisure as they are pre-recorded. All you need is the link, and you register Uh, to get those links. Um, So I really am very excited about this opportunity and and looking forward to helping the Quaker Foundation and their listeners think more biblically about generosity. It's it's a great topic. We have um, other advisors. We have people who are passionate about generosity, including even a former U.S. House of Representative. Uh, So it's going to be a very good, good, summit and and look forward to seeing all of you there. Thank you, Keith. So Keith, what kind of dad jokes do you have for us today? Well, you know, Crystal, I I don't have any today, but let me share this. You know, my own dad, who is second place on his dad jokes to, of course, my dad jokes, because my dad jokes are the best. Um, He shared a Fox News article reporting that dad jokes are good for you. Clearly, Keith, Keith, dad jokes are not necessarily good for you. And I think that you are exempt from that, Keith. I really honestly do. But you don't think my good dad jokes are good enough? (laughs) So (laughs) let's talk about the benefits of the dad jokes in this Fox News article. Humor researcher Mark High Knudsen published a study arguing that dad jokes have a benefit to society and a benefit to children's development. Wait, so what you're saying is that there's a job called humor researcher, 
where do I sign up? I love kids. You you do realize I used to be a preschool teacher, right? Absolutely. You know, I, you know, I've never heard of this job title of a humor researcher, but I just wonder if, if you know, chat BT, GPT will make this job obsolete. But let's talk about what what the Fox News articles uh, said that High Newton's uh, conclusions were, and in the article it says, when considered properly, dad jokes are an intricately multi-layered and fascinating phenomenon that reveals a lot not just about how humor and joke telling work, but also how uh, fathers' psychology and and work with their relationships with their children. And later in the article, it tells us that dad jokes teach their kids how to overcome awkwardness. Hmm. So, so, you know, it turns out hmm. that my parenting philosophy and embarrassing my children uh, isn't so bad after all. You know, actually, I, I kind of enjoy your, your dad jokes, Keith. And that's really interesting to find that out as well. But it makes sense. So, you know, I'm going to I'm going to embrace my dad jokes and uh, and just know that I'm I'm, I'm doing a, a free service to society. <laughs> so today we are welcoming a very special guest, Jackie Meyer to the Faith and Money podcast. So, Jackie, how much do you love dad jokes? Oh, they're my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've seen, I saw an article, not necessarily about the jokes dads say, but like physically roughing around with your child, that kind of thing, how that can be good for them too. And so I totally can understand that. Okay. Yeah, very good. So Jackie, you have your hands on a lot of things. Uh, you're, you're a very active uh, person. And so we would just like to kind of open it up at this point. And could you please tell our listeners about the kind of work that you do and, and how you're currently spending your time? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, I, I was described as a whirlwind last week, and I, I couldn't tell if that was a good thing or a bad thing. I do have a lot going on, but that's just kind of how I made, how God made me. So um, I, I love having a, a next big goal and so I recently actually sold a CPA firm that I owned for 12 years called Meyer Tax Consulting. Um, we specialize in high net wealth um, boutique tax strategies. And I decided to take a plunge into SaaS software development. And so I have a tax planning software for accountants called Tax Plan IQ. And then I also coach accountants. That's kind of become my passion and purpose is coaching other accountants to avoid all the terrible things that can happen to them in their practices uh, or, you know, get through them for the better and uh, really soar from there. So those are kind of my two main things. And then I'm also pursuing a doctorate in strategic leadership from Regent University, and that's a biblical based uh, university. And so we kind of study how leadership theory intertwines with uh, leaders from the Bible and how it applies to uh, today's society. And it's really fun because I don't have any kind of, you know, true religious education. And so y'all, you two probably know a lot more than I do about uh, <laughs> religious quotes and stuff like that. But 
I thought that would be my way to really feel like I could get a better connection with God and get a better biblical base. So I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. How far in the program are you? I'm three and a half years. And so I should be done next year. I have to write a book. That's my final dissertation project. So I'm shooting for 2024. Excellent. Excellent. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So do you ever sleep, Jackie? I actually sleep quite a bit. That's another way that God made me. I'm an oversleeper. So I sleep about (laughs) eight to 10 hours a night. And it's almost like I barely got sick. So my husband is very patient with me. My children are very patient with me because they know mama needs her sleep. Yeah. So excellent. Excellent. And, and so uh, just, we'll share this at the end, but how, how can someone learn more about the work that you do? Is there, do you have a website or anything that you could reference to people or to our listeners? Sure. So it's JackieMeyerCPA.com, M-E-Y-E-R. Uh, and that'll route people to the various endeavors that I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. So we do have some tax professionals who are subscribers to the podcast, you know, just very generally, what are some of the main challenges that a, a boutique or, or maybe even a larger tax firm would, would struggle with that you could help them with? Yeah. Um, the way I like to describe it is just people not being at peace with the work that they're bringing to the table or being unfulfilled with the work they're bringing to the table. Because all of us accountants in our own quirky way, we still love people and we want to help people, even if it's through the numbers versus a lot of like eye contact and one-on-one relationships. And we, we get when we're good at our job, we get bogged down with so much work and you lose sight of the relationships, the health of the firm, the health of of the owner themselves, and the wealth that they can be helping clients bring to the table. And so those are the things that we really focus on is really just, you know, making firm accounting firms better. And it's been a fun ride. I've been doing it for about four years now. Right. I mean, I, I talk to, you know, CPAs, enrolled agents, and tax professionals all the time. And, you know, there's a wide range of, just like any industry, of those who are, are really good at it and those who might be burnt out mm-hmm. or those who just kind of do it, you know, for, for a job. Uh, but, you know, what I have found is that when you find a really good tax professional, uh, you know, who doesn't just do tax preparation, for example, they don't just do with the returns, but they're, they're working very strategically with their clients on future tax projections or helping them with depreciation and, you know, just looking towards more full, um, holistic, you know, tax planning. It's an incredibly invaluable service that helps the client uh, tell a better story about their own businesses and their own lives. So I just love what you're doing, and 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 uh, I'm, I know that you're just bringing a lot of value to to your clients in the Thank tax you. world. Yeah, I thousand percent agree. I'm on the same page as you, and um, I think people ask me all the time, and listeners might wonder, how do I know if my tax preparer is going to bring something more to the table? And really, I think the key word is asking them if they're a true advisor versus just an accountant. 
Because whether it's tax strategies, financial planning, um, there's so many different ways that accountants can bring better advice to the table. And so that keyword of advisor is what I would look for. Right, right. And, you know, there, there are a lot of CPAs who are getting into my world in financial planning who mm-hmm. are doing investment management. But a lot of times what I find is that a lot of tax folks will just say, hey, I'm going to help them with financial planning, with the balance sheets and, and, and the tax part of it. And then the investment management and the financial planning, they're going to turn over to someone like me. Um, yeah. But- and that's what we advocate for is really like staying in your lane of like where you can bring the most to the table is through the interpreting the financials, outsource CFO type services, and then working kind of as a quarterback with the financial planner yeah. advisor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and what I what I've always explained to people, because a lot of times when I tell someone that I'm a financial advisor, they're like, well, I already have a CPA. And I <laughs> and I and I shake my head. That's awesome. I'm not a CPA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, one of the things that I, I try to differentiate myself from a CPA is that I tell the people that CPA's job is to help you save money on your taxes today. And my job is to help you save money on your taxes tomorrow. And, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a overgeneralization because that's not entirely true. <laughs> but, but, you know, there are plenty of CPAs that are they're helping do trust administration and and other types of uh, charitable giving strategies. And, 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 you know, what I have always found is that my I'm most effective with my clients when I have an open door to talk to my clients, other advisors. For sure. You know, and, and for advisors, you know, there's a million of us all around, you know, the country, you know, go to any networking event, there's always a financial advisor, right? And every, every single advisor you ever meet is going to tell you that they're holistic, whether they are or not is, is, you know, up for discussion. But when I say I'm holistic, it doesn't mean that I'm just looking at their their cash flow, debt, tax, um, you know, retirement, estate planning. I mean, I'm looking at all of those things, but I also include on that that I'm partnering with my clients, other advisors. Love that. So that's so important. Yeah. Uh, and and so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just very excited about the kind of your work you're doing, Jackie. And so um, how, how long have you followed the Lord? Well, since I was a kiddo, um, and, uh, you know, you go through your ups and downs, <laughs> college, <laughs> I yeah. saw all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I've been a believer, uh, all of my life. Um, definitely always learning. I, I love to learn more. I have realizations every day that um, I need to probably stop trying to learn so much because there's a reason why God knows it all and we don't. (laughs) (laughs) So I take a step back and be like, okay, yeah, I don't need to know everything. Um, But yeah, I I love learning and growing in my faith. And um, I've been trying to surround myself with the doctorate program that helps me with that. Um, my kids are small, uh, six and nine. And so we tend to kind of just watch church online still right now versus going in. And so I miss that kind of community. Uh, but I do have a C12 group that I, I love to, to meet with. And that's kind of a business round table on a monthly basis where we talk about faith in the workplace, 
and um, at home and whatnot. And so that's kind of my like biblical community is, is that group of very different people. Coming Your fellowship. Different backgrounds. Yeah. So that keeps me grounded in my faith for sure. Wow. You know, and, and the topic of, of business and faith, you know, it's out there, but I, I feel like all too often it's just kind of you know, putting a Bible verse on your business card or, or the front page of your report. But, you know, there are groups out there like C12 and other groups. I'm a part of a, of a more local group called Fusion Leaders here in Orange County in LA. Uh, And, you know, to be able to implement faith in your work is really just, you know, a, a major part of what it is for us to be human being made in the image of God and I believe it's also fulfilling what, what we theologians like to call the cultural mandate. Mm. Uh, and, and so, you know, we are to have dominion over this world and, and, and to, to rule, reign over it as God's um, image bearers, as his little kings, as we talked about in, in when I was in seminary. So, yeah, I just love the fact that, that you're working to constantly you know improve your understanding of the world and and implement faith and in your work so let's talk a little bit about your your doctoral work in strategic leadership what what has really uh, impressed you about your studies in this area from a biblical perspective oh wow okay so um it's really interesting um studying the Bible from a scientific method um, versus from a how are you feeling about this passage method. So I've learned a lot about kind of the true base meaning of words and how important the interpretations of the Bible are. Um, I personally advocate away from the King James version. Sorry, y'all, if you like that one, but um, it's, you know, there's, there's certain versions and just Google it. Like there's certain versions that tend to lean a little too um, male centered or things like that. And so there's just so much to learn about um, the basis of the Bible and where those words come from. And um, truly like interpreting them correctly versus just being like, oh, this one sentence said this, that means this, 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 and I'm going to assume that about everything. Right. So that's been the biggest learning point. And I've really, really enjoyed that. Um, also I think that I like just analyzing the details of the different leadership principles that we see in the Bible. I mean, Jesus obviously is exemplary leader, but he's, he's God as well. And so it's also good to look at humans. Paul, you know, is a great leader in the Bible. Um, there's a lot of examples. There were some women leaders in the old Testament, Deborah, that are really interesting to analyze and just kind of see like, how did they present themselves? What kind of leader were they and how could they transform the people around them? You know, Jackie, talking about leadership and and the women of the Bible, you know, you're not just born a leader. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, what was the process for you, um, you know, becoming this, this, this woman who is so outspoken about the Lord and, and was that an instantaneous thing where you just like, 
you know, how did that work? Can you, can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? I love that question. And no, the answer is no. Um, you know, three, four years ago, uh, Veronica on my team convinced me that we could pray at work because I was hesitant. You know, you never know what's allowed, what's not allowed. And we actually talked about that in C12 recently. And the key there is just stating that it's optional for whoever wants to partake. That's the key when it comes to especially a small business environment. But you think all these things like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get sued or something like that. And so um, it's, it's really small incremental changes. And it's not just like he said, it's not about just popping on your website that you're a believer. It's about how you're actually showing it to your team, to your clients. Um, I really like through the accounting firm, making sure that we're supporting our clients through charitable giving. That was kind of a big factor for me of feeling like we were connecting faith with what we were doing. But then also just like pouring your all into what you do, no matter what it is, um, you know, God wants us to work and work hard and uh, always honor him. So it's been a really, really long incremental process and every day changes. Uh, I'm definitely far from the, the optimal role model, but I never worked well for other people. So I figured I'd just, you know, start my own businesses, right? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. More and more, I think that businesses, whether they're they're owned by believers or not, are realizing that employees are not just employees. They're mm-hmm. humans. Uh, and they have things going on in their life outside of the workplace. And, and as we care for people in our workplace and, and shepherd them, lead them at work, we have to keep in mind that, hey, we got people in our, in our workplace who have loved ones who are sick, or maybe they're having relationship issues or, mm-hmm. or health issues, or I mean, just there could be a myriad of things that, that the people that we're hiring and that work for us are struggling with. And, uh, you know, I think of, of businesses like Hobby Lobby and, and, and other businesses that are actually bringing in chaplains they're, people are not required to talk to these chaplains, but they're just there. And yeah. you know, it's made abundantly clear to the employees that, hey, if you have something to talk about or, or something that you want to, you know, clear the air with or, or someone to talk to, these people are here. Their job is not to come report to me, you know, your, your business. You know, it, you know th- this, what you talk to the chaplain about is confidential. It's, nothing you say is going to get you fired or, you know, and just having people. And, and I, I talked to a chaplain who was what, what he calls himself a workplace chaplain. Uh, he actually got to know one of the families of, of one of the, the clients and the child of one of the employees of, of that business actually end up calling him in the middle of the night. Cause he was at a party, a teenager, and he was drunk. <laughs> Wow. And, and he called the chaplain <laughs> and the chaplain came and picked him up and took him home. Oh, so, you know, how, how we treat people uh, in our businesses really matters. And we need to give opportunity for people to be humans and not just employees. Well, mm-hmm. and it's a good representation of ourselves as well. You know, do unto others as you would do unto yourselves. Right. right. Love thy neighbor. 
I mean, I just know that in the past I've been a part of, of, of businesses where I was an employee, where I, I was viewed as a, a number, a number and, 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 you know, I was easily replaceable uh, and, you know, you go in and you work hard and you do what you've been hired to do, but no one likes working that kind of an environment. So, um, yeah, a couple points on that. We're actually part of Marketplace Chaplains, which does the same thing. And um, a few years ago, my sister was in the hospital for my brain injury in Florida. I live in Dallas, Texas, where my chaplain is. And they sent a chaplain from Orlando, Florida to her bedside to pray with us, which I will never forget um, how impactful Mm. that was. Um, So yeah, I I definitely really advocate for that side of things. And then I forgot my other point, but I'm sure it'll come back to me in a minute. (laughs) So, So what are some principles that we can learn from Jesus, for example, in providing leadership, whether it's in the home or in our workplace? So Jesus was actually um, what you call a very adaptable leader. Um, Some people would refer to as transformational is kind of the the latest and greatest word. Shepherd leadership is another kind of great way to refer to him. But when I say adaptability, uh, it's because he actually treats every person a bit differently with the way that he leads them, right? And so it's, it's, it's based on that personal interaction with that individual as to how they're going to help transform them. And so he's almost coaching them in a way versus just telling them what to do. And so that's what I really think is cool about Jesus with, you know, every single thing you can study about him. He's always kind of moving and shaking and doing something different, right? It's really true. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that provides a great segue into talking about the, the biblical aspect of money, wealth, and generosity. We, when we think about uh, the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and Jesus told him to sell all of his uh, possessions and, and the rich young ruler was very sad because he had a lot. We're, a lot of times people will read that and they think, well, I have to give away everything. Mm-hmm. And that's actually not the point of that passage. Um, my, my acquaintance who who um, my listeners should know if they don't already, Jerry Boyer, B-O-W-Y-E-R, wrote a book called The Makers Versus the Takers. I mean, I've read a lot of theology over the years, you know, having, you know, several degrees in Bible and theology. And quite frankly, that book is one of the best I've, I've ever read. And uh, I... I tell ministers and and theologians that they're required to read the book. And in his book with the rich young ruler, Jerry brings out the point that where where Jesus is when he says these things matters. Geography matters. And the closer he gets to Jerusalem, the more uh, frustrated and angry Jesus comes to people who have wealth. And the point that Jesus was making to the rich young ruler was that he loved his money more and his possessions more than he loved God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so while I'm not ever going to tell a client that they can't give away all of their possessions, that is making that uh, application to our own lives is not the point. Um, and, and 
So what you're saying about Jesus treating other people differently uh, is so true because as you go, you know, farther away from Jerusalem, Jesus is actually extremely pro-business and, and was a business person himself mm-hmm. as a carpenter uh, and, and advocates for people building wealth. Yeah, that's really minimized in the like elementary version of the Bible and Jesus. I grew up thinking, oh, I need to go become a missionary to really make a difference as a Christian. And that's not true at all. We all have very important roles in all the jobs and uh, companies that we work in, right? Amen. Yeah, and I, and I find that in the Bible, you know, we have different leaders but they're all doing something different. You know, we have political military leaders, we have priests, we have deacons who are doing more mercy ministry. Um, We have, uh, you know, uh, Nehemiah who is working within a uh, secular city advocating for the rebuilding of Jerusalem, God's holy city. And so these leaders are doing something a little bit different. And I think that, you know, one of the things we could potentially, you know, learn from looking at leadership in the Bible is that leaders aren't always the same, that they're, they're leading people in different ways. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, you know, and so, you know, when I was thinking about leadership before our podcast, I realized that we all need different kinds of leaders to do different types of things. We all have different advisors. You know, you, you have your mechanic, you have your doctor, you have your CPA. I mean, we already have many different types of leaders. But let's talk about leadership in the family with wealth. Um, you know, as a tax professional, you're talking to a lot of families. Could you could you address that a little bit? Um, yeah, give me a little bit more detail on specifically what direction you want me to go there. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking about how we can be leading our families uh, in a biblical way on the topics of money, wealth, and generosity. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So um, I definitely believe in tithing. I also believe in um, your business actually kind of going above and beyond that and doing their own kind of tithe if you're a business owner. Um, I think from, you know, looking at how our children are raised now, I think it's really important to still <laughs> know the, the, the means of the dollar, so to speak, because we're passing around credit cards left and right, and they have no idea how they can use this or why they can use this and they don't have any money, right? Mm-hmm. So I, there's definitely some basic principles um, in regards to learning how to use their cash and whatnot. Um, we, we do a weekly allowance for our kids and, um, we also actually do kind of like a charitable allowance for them, um, typically during the holidays. So over Christmas, we like to say, Hey, you know, you each have a hundred dollars or $200 to give to a charity of your choice or do an angel tree or something like that. And that's a really great way for them to stay connected. Um, we're also, uh, I'm, uh, on the board of what's called the Pearson foundation, which is a DFW charity that, um, helps people with cancer pay their bills. 
and they just show up at their door with a check and a Bible and tell them a little bit about Jesus. And so it's a really cool organization, but every year they have people apply for Christmas gifts that are in need. And so I take the kids with me. We are in such a bubble. We're in South Lake, Texas. It's one of the highest median incomes in the nation. We're in such a bubble. And so, you know, it's important, I think, to get our kids out of that bubble sometimes and see what real life is about and interact with people that don't have as much as we do. I didn't grow up with a lot. um, So I do worry about that, that, (laughs) you know, we're raising these spoiled kids, but um, I don't know. Those are kind of the first things that come to mind in regards to things that I would do with my family. Yeah. I mean, the parental leadership over our children is really important. We had a uh, episode a few weeks ago with a financial coach and we talked a lot with her about, you know, money and kids. And I just love what you just said about the charitable um, fund for your kids. Uh, I think it's really important that we teach our kids to give now mm-hmm. and we get them involved with that now. That's, that's so important. You know, the family is the, is the first institution that God ever created. Uh, and and so the leadership really needs to start there. And and if you know generosity, leading with that that principle of generosity is really going to help uh, our children and, and those in our in our family unit um, have the opportunity to not have freedom dom- or have money dominate our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and and to know that you know the Lord will always provide. So you know I, I my hands off out to you, you know, and, and, and doing that. That's just so incredible with businesses. Let's talk a little bit about, about charitable giving from businesses. Why would a business ever want to be charitable? Oh gosh. Okay. Well, a lot of reasons, but, um, I mean, I think community impact is important. I have, um, a, a colleague that is very, you know, very straight with his 10% of personal funds to charitable purposes. And he also runs a business. And I'm like, well, why isn't your business doing that? And he's like, well, I didn't know how the whole tie thing came together with my business. I feel like it's a missed opportunity because the community wants to see where these funds are coming from. They want to see who cares about them. Um, And so I would advocate for any business to, uh, you know, have a charitable plan in mind potentially have a charitable fund. I see more and more businesses where they're starting charitable funds for their own team members. If someone gets in a bind or has a disaster or something like that. Um, so yeah, there's, there's so many reasons and it just feels good too, right? Anytime that you can put others ahead of yourself, it feels really good. Right. I I actually love that. I love it. They actually call it nowadays purchase with a purpose. Mm. And so a lot of clients actually look for business owners to do business with that are doing that as well. So that's a very good point. Yeah, for sure. So we've dedicated 10% of the profits of Taxman IQ to charity, which is a very scary sometimes, but uh, we're working through it. And, <laughs> you know, again, you gotta, you gotta just trust that the Lord's going to take care of you. Right. Yeah. Well, I mentioned, I mentioned Hobby Lobby earlier in, in our show here. Uh, I'm going through um, David Green's book that he wrote with his financial advisor, Bill High. Uh, you may have heard of it. The book is called Leadership Not by the Book. And I just read 
the chapter on their charitable giving from for, for the business. And, and they have actually over the years worked to the point that they're giving away 50% of their profits. Yeah, I've heard that. It's pretty amazing. And, you know, this is exceptional generosity. And, and what I always tell people about tithing is that tithing is really uh, the 10% is an Old Testament institu uh, institution that we are not required to practice today. However, my, my teaching to people is always that the Old Testament 10% was, you know, subject to uh, the, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament. But what greater promises we have in the New Covenant? Why wouldn't we give more? And so what I always tell people is that tithing 10% is training wheels. It's a great place to start, but this is the Lord's wealth and the Lord's possessions ultimately. And we need to be willing to be generous over and above 10%. Mm. And it's really comes, it's a heart issue of how much we really love our wealth or, and versus how much we love God. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so I'm, I'm constantly talking to families and to business owners about, have you thought about giving? And I know people that are, that are, you know, making, you know, very good money. They have a very low cost of living and they're saving thousands of dollars every month. And they feel like they can't afford to give. Yeah, that is sad. When I see a tax return, there's like nothing on the itemized deductions for charity. You're always like, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. so, I mean, but again, it's like, it's give what you can at least contribute to goodwill, give that old clothing or something, you know, or volunteer your time. Right. Yeah. And there's all kinds of ways we can help out. Yeah. Well, what I always tell people is that the first place for God's people to give is to the local church. That's where we start. Um, and from there, you know, there are different things that you may be passionate about. You know, for, for my family, um, for me at least, especially having um, received an exceptional theological education, I'm very passionate about uh, ministries and, and churches that are providing great, exceptional uh, theological education. So in the past, we have supported um, good preaching on the radio hmm. um, or or ministries like Ligonier Ministries, if you've ever heard of R.C. Sproul. Um, we're, you know, we're supporting things like that. Um, for other people, it might be foster kids or 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 animals or 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 education or it could be any number of things. I mean, it's really just what the individual gravitates to. But what I have also found is that with with families who have abundant resources and the ability to give, they just need to be trained. It's not a matter of beating them over the head. Why the heck aren't you giving? Mm -hmm. It's about, have you ever thought about giving? And what I find is that they do, they just don't know how. Yeah. Um, or, or, and, and so it's a fear issue because they don't want to give too much or, or they don't want to feel like they're giving too much or giving above what they think. But even in the old new Testament, Paul exemplifies a church in, I believe it was the church in Thessalonica that gave over and above what they could afford. Mm. God honored them with that. 
so what are some of the ways that businesses or, or families for that matter can be charitable? Uh, well, I mean, the, the tax strategy side of me comes out here. Uh, I think I have to mention kind of my favorite charitable strategy recently is something that seems very complex to a lot of people, but it's actually not so bad. And that is um, charitable trusts. Yes. So, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't transfer the assets of my own CPA firm into a charitable trust before I sold it or else I would have had tax exempt income and then yes. had a lot more money to give to charity and my yes. own family. Right. Yes. So that's that's my big regret of 2022. But <laughs> um, 2023 Ford, that is a, a big push that I'm doing for people. And um, there's actually like online providers that will set these up for you, even if you're not a multi multi millionaire. Um, so I'm working with a company called Valur, a V A L U R, I believe, and um, they'll set these up for anybody. I mean, it, it makes more sense if you have a few hundred thousand of gains or uh, from sales proceeds or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's just win win. Instead of paying the government the, you know, 30% plus in taxes, you're keeping that in a tax exempt holding spot, yeah. letting it grow tax free. And then you actually don't have to contribute the whole thing out to charity. It's actually a very small portion. If you need a lot yeah. of those funds, it's like 5% or something very low that you can do if you need the funds for other things too. Yeah. I'm working with a faith-based business owner who is, he's probably in his late 60s, early 70s. And, you know, I valued his business somewhere between six and $8 million. He has a, a several commercial properties. I mean, this, this gentleman and this family is worth well over $10 million. And uh, what we're talking to him about is how to transfer the business to his son-in-law who's effectively operating the business for him mm -hmm. uh, and, and so what we're talking about is you know how much income does the the current owner and his wife need how how to generate that how what's the most effective way to do it and without getting into all the nitty-gritty one of the ways that he can do that is putting a portion of it in not a charitable trust but a trust generate income and then have the rep and then have a, a gifting mechanism to uh, transfer the ownership and then maybe even have the son-in-law buy it, but then also use the income to fulfill all his other um, estate planning needs for the rest of his family. And I mean, it, it gets really complex, um, but charitable trusts are just, I mean, everybody wins in that situation. Right. Everyone. The, the, the giver, the receiver, I mean, you, you can have charitable trusts where you're going to have a large uh, gift given to a, your chosen charity, but the grantor is receiving an income that it, 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 and the code is the IRS code is written that you can do these things. And as Christians who want to be generous, we ought to be using the code to our benefit. <laughs> We're not doing anything against the law. We're doing everything within IRS standards, mm -hmm. but you need to have the proper advisors to do that. You know, an attorney, an advisor, uh, a CPA. Uh, these are the, the, the team members that you have to have to do this. Yeah, um, for sure. 
Now yeah. I have to mention a very small strategy since I just mentioned a really big one. Um, I hate seeing people not take advantage of their non-cash charitable donations. Um, keep those receipts. You know, a, a family with several kids can generally deduct a few thousand dollars every year on their individual tax return if they itemize uh, yes. towards non-cash giving. And so that would be kind of my other little tip of, uh, you know, tax strategy wise things, things for anybody to do. Right. I mean, some other things that I talk to people about, you know, there are n- many ways to give that people just aren't aware of. They think they have to write a check, mm-hmm. but, you know, people can set up donor advised funds where they have money that they can go to, to whatever charity, whenever they want. Um, but there's also things like appreciated stock. If you have a highly appreciated stock and you don't want to pay taxes on it, you could actually gift that to the charity. Mm-hmm. You don't ever have to write a check. Another example would be if you're over the age of, of 72 and you're required to take required minimum distributions from your qualified retirement accounts and you don't need it, yep. give it to a charity, tax write-off. That's one of my favorite strategies. I, I wish you could be younger and do that, but yeah, it's the 72 and a half for now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know, the, the, the name of the game here is that there are multiple ways to give. You just got to figure out uh, which one is best for your situation. And most people um, are not aware of the different ways to do it or how to be the most effective. I've always said, that there is no virtue in paying more taxes than you're required. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, that's poor stewardship of, of, the res- of God's resources. And that's not just because I tend to be a bit more conservative and hate government spending waste. But, uh, you know, we, we ought to be using God's resources to do things better than the government will ever do it. Because that's just the reality. The government will not use that money well. So let's not give it to them. Let's give it to people who actually need it and and we can actually better the world. Yeah. Take more control over bettering the world where you can, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is, this has been such an amazing discussion, Jackie. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Can you just tell us one more time how people can uh, learn more about the kind of work that you're doing? Sure thing. Yeah. And thanks again for having me. This was really fun. Uh, I would go to my website, JackieMeyerCPA.com. It's J-A-C-K-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-C-P-A.com. And you can route to all kinds of places with the tax planning software that we're doing, with the coaching I do with accountants um, and different groups that I host online. So I would love to connect with people on Twitter, Facebook. I tend to be under Jackie Meyer CPA on all of those platforms as well. Yes. Awesome. Well, you know, next time I'll, I'll be sure to um, have a plenty more dad jokes to tickle uh, uh, Crystal's fancy. Uh, you can reach out to me through my website, which is truelegacyfp.com. Uh, and you can reach out to, well, Crystal, tell us how we can reach out to you and learn more about your work. Sure. Thank you. You can reach out to me at crystal at kinethics, can ethics dot com or you can contact me at 714-402-7637 awesome well until next time thank you for joining us and uh don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and please share it with your friends and maybe even an enemy too 
because we are going to continue to bring you great, fantastic content on how to honor the Lord with your wealth and to teach God's uh, principles of money, wealth, and generosity. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Feel free to reach out to us at faithandmoneypodcast at gmail.com with all of your questions and comments and maybe even your Rotten Tomatoes for Crystal. All right. Peace.